0: Welcome to Origins, a podcast about the money behind the money. This podcast is created by Notation. Notation is a first-check venture capital firm based in Brooklyn, New York. We invest in amazing technical teams and projects in New York City on day zero. You can find us on Twitter at Notation Capital. Season 3 of Origins is sponsored by Silicon Valley Bank and Carta, formerly known as eShares. Silicon Valley Bank is the bank of the world's most innovative companies and their investors, with a dedicated practice for emerging managers. They've been friends and partners to notation since the beginning. To learn more about SVB services, visit svb.com. We use Carta at Notation and recommend it to all the startups we work with. But something you might not know is that Carta has a product for LPs too. Carta for LPs allows you to easily sign, send, and store K-1s, manage capital calls, review investment KPIs, and more. You can learn more about Carta at carta.com. On this episode of Origins, I'm joined by Daniel Derry, Silicon Valley Bank's Emerging Manager Program. We're interviewing Christian Motzfeld of the Danish Growth Fund. We recorded this interview on Skype, so it's not quite as clear as some of our other recordings, but the conversation was great, and it's the first sovereign wealth fund we've had on the show. So we hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Christian. We're really excited to have you on Origins. Daniel, if you wanna if you want to start us off. Of course. Christian, thank you again for, for being on the podcast. We're we're excited to have
1: you. If you wouldn't mind, uh, just tell us in a couple of minutes uh, a little bit about yourself and uh, and your professional background.
2: Thank you so much. I'm the CEO of the GDF for the Danish Growth Fund, and has been so since uh, 2001. Uh, I'm an economist by education. I've been in banking, and I've been with the uh, Department of Trade and Industry. Uh, advising uh, governments on um, business policies um, responsible for capital markets, uh, entrepreneurship, and uh, SMV financing. I'm really passionate about entrepreneurship and how to foster growth in in SMVs. Um, And that led me to um, the Danish Growth Fund, which was a a kind of a soft loan provider, when I took office as a CEO in 2001, and over the years, we have turned uh, this company, GDF, into a commercially run sovereign investment fund. Um, yeah, so uh, no no PE or VC uh, experience uh, prior to GDF. And um, so
1: in, in that case, given that there was no PE or VC prior to your arrival, how did... Uh, you know what? What brought you there, and and when you did come, how did you decide, and how did the, um, how did the fund decide that that was going to be a strategy that you were going to pursue?
2: Well, actually, it was the government that decided that this uh, this fund, um, this soft loan provider, should kind of um, take a transition into a um, um, a provider of um, of risk capital of all sorts, um, and um, by investing into um, Startup companies and uh, VC funds that should kind of build up uh, a stronger uh, ecosystem uh, in the country. When did the Danish Growth Fund get formed? It was formed originally in 92 as this soft loan provider. And we turned it into a commercially run sovereign investment fund in 2001. And um, so now we we provide almost all kinds of risk capital. We invest in funds, VC funds, as well as PE funds. Uh, We invest directly in startup companies. Um, That is, we have our own venture team internally, and we provide a wide variety of subordinated loans and venture debt. Um, And finally, we also support the ecosystem by collecting Data and doing studies and organizing conferences, a bit like the Kaufman Foundation in the US. So um, all in all, we have a strong foothold in the Danish ecosystem.
0: So in thinking about the Danish Growth Fund, particularly when it was first getting formed, what what was the mandate um, in terms of investing in VC funds and startups, and what were the overall goals and objectives for both Denmark and for the fund itself?
2: Well, the, um, uh, the overall goal was to simply um, finance more companies um, um, to form a stronger global um, uh, foothold in, in, the, uh, in the Danish ecosystem um the mandate was to to invest both directly and indirectly by funds um, and 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 so to um provide more professional um expertise in in investing into these companies
0: is the fund itself does it have financial objectives i mean ha- i guess what i'm asking is how do you when you're first setting up the fund how would you begin to measure Success long term for the for the Danish Growth Fund itself.
2: Well, we started um, um, uh, putting up some goals on what we wanted to achieve in, in terms of of building up the ecosystem, and a strong ecosystem is an is an ecosystem that can uh, invest in startup companies and uh, and and make them grow globally, um, uh, to make sure that we have a a solid return. Uh, on the capital invested, uh, and we see that um, that uh, the ecosystem is also growing in, in, in terms of um, of more strong um, management teams starting up new companies. Um, um, so uh, that's what we have been doing since um, since 2001, and um, and it's we believe that that venture capital is vital for building a strong and competitive economy based on research and knowledge and scalable businesses and um, well venture capital is global but seed and, and early stage financing must be local so uh, if there is no local community there is no way to participate in the global uh, community and that that was the, the task we had to to build up this local community that could plug into the global one right and so
0: how do you think about the investment strategy for for DGF. Are you investing in VCs and startups in Denmark exclusively? Are you investing across Europe? Are you investing globally? Um, how do you think about uh, the specific investment strategy for the fund?
2: Once you um, start up um, um, and and build a stronger ecosystem, you've got to realize where you where you are heading and where you are coming from. And when we started up um, this uh, strategy, uh, the ecosystem was very immature. Uh, we had too many, too small uh, VC funds with uh, inexperienced managers, wrong profiles, uh, drip financing, at uh, the companies. Um, uh, it was a tough task, uh, but uh, we had to uh, to fund the best partners we could find um, in the market, uh, and as well to to invest in 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 um, in overseas teams um, that uh, we could persuade also to have a focus on the Danish market to bring in um, to bring in their expertise uh, and um, and to partner up with uh, these GPs whenever it, it, uh, it was necessary to uh, uh, to scale up the companies globally. Got it. So, so the idea is
0: primarily investing in funds and startups in in Denmark, but looking for areas where you might bring in talent globally into the ecosystem.
2: Yeah, but we we also we also invested in in um, in, in overseas GPs, um and we discussed with them how they could possibly focus a bit more um, on the Danish markets, um, and we have actually um, been successful in in attracting, in this way, uh, strong GPs uh, to the Danish market and the Nordics. Is the,
0: is the fund a specific size, or is there a mandate from the government each year in terms of how much capital you're investing in the ecosystem? We
2: have an equity base uh, short of $1 billion. Um, and we have um, assets under management, uh, including commitments of uh, some $3 billion, uh, growing steadily. And, um, and we invest on a government in mandates uh, with our own funds, but we also run investment mandates for pension funds. Uh, that is, um, we act as a fund manager as well as a funder fund manager. Uh, and and actually, we, not, we, we currently hold one of the largest portfolios of fee, VC funds and small cap PE funds in the Nordics. And so across that
0: how much how much are you investing as an LP into VC firms versus directly into startups
2: we invest um some twenty thirty um million dollars uh, directly into into companies um, by way of equity that is our our own VC team um and we uh, per year per year and we commit um New capital to VC and, and and PE funds annually to the tune of a hundred to one hundred and fifty million dollars.
0: When you're when you're investing in some of these funds alongside maybe some other fund of funds or high net worth individuals or other types of LPs, how does your position as the Danish growth funds, how do you compare yourself as an LP type, maybe compared to some of the other LPs that are invested in these funds? And how should GPs think about DGF as an LP compared to some of the other potential LPs?
2: Good question. Um, actually, in the outset, um, we evaluate the funds on the same yardstick as, as any other private LP. And, and we like to see ourselves... Um, as a fully commercial investor, investing by pursue with the other LPs, um, but on top of this, when we have a kind of a, a double bottom line, um, uh, we like to see um, uh, strong performance, um, high return, and uh, and on top of this, we we like to see our ecosystem growing and uh, a um, and and a footprint a uh, strong footprint on the danish economy uh, so we have a um, a goal also that uh, that implies uh, jobs and growth uh, in denmark um, it's not a hard requirement um, though um, we kind of believe that whenever we support a company and a team that has some activity in denmark and grows globally it will eventually spill off uh, into into the Danish economy. Yeah, are there are there areas where you're
0: more aligned or less aligned with certain investors that might have purely financial goals? Like has that ever, as maybe managers or GPs are considering taking capital from DGF, maybe compared to some of their other more purely financial focused investors? Have you ever found that? Um, you're either more likely to get into the best funds or less likely? How is that, How has that manifested itself?
2: We have experienced that there is an interest uh, in, in many GPs uh, to have us on board as an LP to the extent that they are looking at the Danish market because we have such a strong foothold uh, in the ecosystem. So, so we can kind of help them uh, in the deal uh, sourcing. Um, but when it comes to Broader investments, um, we are not that attractive uh, as an LP. But but when it comes to uh, to the Nordics, um, we become certainly more uh, attractive for for other LPs to to invest alongside.
0: Yeah, and I assume, I mean, deep, deeply strategic, obviously, for the folks that are in that ecosystem. Exactly. Yeah, and
1: are, are there perhaps any, maybe without naming names, any stories you can share about how that? How that dynamic has played out?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, we have uh, recently uh, uh, invested in, uh, in, in, in Balderton, a, a UK based um, VC fund, and they have a, a, a Danish chap on, uh, in, the, in the management team. And, uh, and they are now uh, pretty active in the Danish market and, and already invested in an um, EdTech uh, a company called Labster. And they, they have now helped this, this company grow in the U.S. Um, that's a kind of um, activity that we like to see. But also another story I, I'd like to share with you um, that illustrates how we see um, uh, our job of building companies and ecosystem uh, is go- going hand in hand. Um, that is uh, the story of the most successful company that we have invested in, probably um, a robotics company called Universal Robots. It was a seed investment we did in in 2008, and it's been growing 50 to 100 percent annually since then. Um, and wow. it's now the world leader in collaborative robots, um, and it was acquired by a Boston company with the name of Teradyne in 2014. And the company is still based in Odense, uh, Denmark, and and is approaching 500 employees. Um, uh, the investment returned our capital. Uh, and the other seed investors' capital fifty times on the cash deal, and with more to come on the uh, on the earnout. Um, that's a huge success in in, in the Danish market, and um, and this has sparked off a large cluster of companies in in collaborative robotics, uh, and capital is now pouring in, uh, also from uh, from overseas, and and lots of new high value jobs are created, and and, um, and this. Uh, the result is is a stronger ecosystem and a stronger economy and on top of this, solid profits uh, in our funds. um, And uh, on top of this, we'd like to to attract more attention to this market of investments in robotics uh, in Denmark also by talking to overseas PE funds and VC funds. uh, And they are currently interested, uh, many of them. And and given
1: that you've also you know, that because you're investing both directly and into funds, are there any times where you've been in a deal with another fund that's that's given you a bit of insight into what they're like as investors and, and sort of spurred that interest in, in perhaps pursuing a, an investment in a fund, in the fund itself? Sure. Sure.
2: Exactly. Exactly. We have several times, in, in, in fact, uh, invested um, in a company uh, and attracted and an overseas investor and 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 in the end we have uh, we have become acquainted with that um, that gdp and uh, and in the end also invested in that um, uh, in that fund so um yeah certainly and so when you when that does happen or i guess
1: broadly when you're investing in funds what are some of the qualities that you look for in the investing teams whether it's in terms of personality in terms of team construction in terms of fund size what are what are some of the more appealing elements of what you're looking for
2: well certainly we are we are looking at all the uh, all the same stuff as as uh, as most uh, other Lps um the sourcing strategy uh, um the foothold uh, in the markets the track record um, but on top of this I mean what we like when it comes to investing into portfolio companies is that the GP they know the Technology that they are investing in, and the market that they are investing in. But um, what we know is that uh, it's it's equally important, and maybe sometimes even more important, to, to invest into a coherent and talented team um, with a high level of trust between the team members and a strong leadership in uh, the portfolio company. So, so we like the, the the GPs to have a um, have an eye on. On, on this uh, team dimension, and um, and uh, really understand how they they do the due diligence on on this dimension uh, as well as the uh, the technology dimension.
0: Are there other comparable national programs in Europe that you maybe compare yourself to, or work with, or or learn from? I mean, is this is this I mean, this seems to me very unusual and the Danish Growth Fund itself and obviously sounds incredibly supportive for the technology ecosystem and the broader economy there. Are there, are there other programs either that you look to to, to grow it or, or that you look to when you were starting it? Or are there other programs today that you, um, that you compare notes with? Throughout,
2: whether that's Europe or globally, yeah, sure, sure. We have um, a number of sister companies uh, in in the Nordics uh, that we are uh, looking carefully at and discussing uh, with them. Um, well, from time to time. And um, when we started on this journey in two thousand and one, we have a we had a um, a deep and thorough discussion with a professor from Harvard University, um, Josh Lerner, and he kind of. Advised us a bit on on the structure that uh, that we decided for in the end. Uh, you may have um, read the book he he did uh, shortly afterwards um, called um, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Um, when he he has uh, compiled a lot of uh, global uh, experience and been in, in, in building up this this uh, sort of uh, um, government um, entities uh, and most of them ended, um, with broken dreams. Um, So, (laughs) (laughs) so where, where did, so, you know, we don't have to go through the whole book, but where, where
0: do you think most government investment programs have gone wrong in the
2: past? They are bureaucratic, um, in, in, in structure. I think you have to, uh, to get a very, very flexible mandate, um, because you, 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 you got to work with the professional ecosystem. Right. and invest alongside them on the same kind of contracts and terms. Um, and that's that's often very difficult uh, with a, um, a government scheme because it's under government control. You need to, to have the freedom to draw up incentive schemes uh, within your fund that is not compatible with um, the way that civil servants are being paid. Uh, right. That's just one thing. And it's it, it's important that you get, that you get a very long term mandate, and that's also very difficult when it comes to the political life, where the lifespan is very short. Right. Josh Lerner actually told me that um, the most likely scenario here is that uh, it will take you very long, because your ecosystem is uh, is immature. It will take you probably two decades um, before you get uh, solid commercial results. And um, experience tell that you would run out of patience um, on part of the the, uh, the political system, and you will probably be be sacked in disgrace uh, one day, and, <laughs> and and they will put put in another bureaucratic scheme. Oh, right. But actually, we survived. It, it took us fifteen years to build up a viable portfolio of uh, of funds um, with more experienced managers. Uh, so for the last uh, three to four years, we have we have run solid um, profits uh, of um, 15 to 20% um, IRR annually. What do
0: you think were the key things, either structurally or key things learned along the way that have led to the success of the Danish Growth Fund where so many other government programs have failed?
2: Well, flexibility, freedom to operate, a very commercial mindset, link up very fast with... um, the best guys you can you can find on the prairie. That's vital, and the ability to say no, to say no to all the companies and the GPs that do not fit into this uh, commercial profile, even though they are a vital part of the minister's electorate.
1: And how did you continue to to message and get buy-in from the government over those fifteen years as you were building that? What what was some of the what were some of the arguments that you made? What were some of the sort of pushback that you got, and how did you get them to continually continually support you to get to this
2: point? Well, I've spent um, hours discussing with the politicians, uh-huh. kept them informed about what we do. It, in the end, would lead to, I've taken to uh, to the companies, I've shown them the progress. Um, they have been skeptic, many of them, during the years. Um, I think that the uh, the universal robot success was kind of the final victory for our model. Right. You got to show you got to show results not only in terms of a solid return that is here 50 times on the cash deal, but also a great company. Hmm. A very great company. Now the leading in the world, and you have a cluster, you have a growing cluster of robotics companies um, in order and, so, and that has that has persuaded um the politicians to stay on board. Hmm.
1: So many of the limited partners that, uh, that Nick and Alex have interviewed on this podcast before have very much a US-focused approach. So one of the things we want to ask, given that you have a bit of a broader uh, perspective um, sitting where you are and, and investing where you are, how do you think about where the global innovation system is headed right now? Are there any particular regions that you are most excited about? Does regionality no longer matter as much? Where how do, how do you think, as as currently, but also as we move forward, um, in terms of specific uh, specific parts of the world?
2: The U.S. Um, is and 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 will stay um, the most important part of the global tech ecosystem. Uh, so um, you got to be plugged in and well plugged into the U.S. ecosystem, and 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 in particular Silicon Valley, and uh, that's why we we spent um, uh, some time over there. Um, uh, linking up uh, with the best guys, uh, including also Silicon Valley Bank. Um, but um, on top of this, I mean, we firmly believe that the Nordics is a place to look at. Um, we have a um, a fairly balanced society and we have highly skilled labor force. Um, we have uh, more science-based PhDs uh, in the population than, than most uh, other places in the world, uh, you can get them cheaper than in the U.S. in, in, in particular. Uh, and you can invest in companies at uh, at fairly low uh, prices. So uh, you would find good deals in, in, in the Nordics. And we see ourselves as a gateway to the Nordics.
0: What do you think is the most exciting? And maybe what are the things that you worry about as you think about the macro economy and global economy today and going forward?
2: Well... Uh, If I should start with uh, what worries me is um, that the current level of commercial investment seems to be too low to ensure sustainable growth.
1: Hmm.
2: I'm also worried about uh, debt levels. They are growing out of proportion, in particular in in public debt. I'm worried about excessive income inequality that is um, undermining public support in free markets and is holding back uh, a necessary rise in, in private consumption. And, uh, and fourthly, that there is little left of firepower in, in monetary and fiscal policy. Um, on the positive side, there is the uh, the current pace of technological developments, digitization, automation, and very, very, very cheap tea, uh, green energy from solar and wind um, in the future. And these, um, well, revolutions will eventually turn many industries uh, obsolete and spark off massive investments. Um, The energy revolution in particular will be the leading one. It will probably take some five years, however, until we see a solid takeoff uh, in the investments uh, into this industry. Uh, So um, uh, in conclusion, there is a danger. I believe uh, there is a high risk of a new financial meltdown and, and more social disintegration in the short term. But in the long term, in particular, the green energy revolution will bring us back again. How do you think about
0: the next, your 15 years into the Danish Growth Fund today? And it, it sounds like, you know, in, in the years now where you've proven out the model and it's beginning to really bear fruit, both financially and also from an ecosystem level in, in, in Denmark, how do you think about the objectives and goals and hopes for the next five to 10 years?
2: Well, we hope that, that, that we, we, we can build on the success we have um, that we have had, invest even more uh, and bring more companies um, uh, out globally. We'd like to, to go kind of from a fairly solid startup ecosystem to a strong scale-up ecosystem so that's the next 15 years job is to to build this capacity to scale up companies that we, for example, see in the Silicon Valley. When it comes to really uh, fostering high, high growth uh, companies, we are we are still not there, but we will be there in 15 years. Are there any companies in particular, either in your
1: portfolio or, or not in Denmark that you uh, you think we should keep our eye on?
2: Well, I, I certainly think you should keep an eye on the companies that we invest in within the robotics um, cluster, and I definitely think that you should be looking at the educational technology uh, companies that is um, uh, coming out of our ecosystem. Uh, finally, uh, Denmark is a is a life science um, uh, country. We we build a lot on the s- strong global uh, industrial companies that we have in. In that sector, so so we have a lot of companies coming up in this uh, part of the ecosystem. It takes a long time to build um, viable uh, biotech companies; sometimes 20, 25, 30 years. um, But we have a a number of them um, coming up, um, and uh, and and I I really look forward to uh, to see them grow globally and 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 become new engines uh, in our ecosystem.
0: Christian, we, we really do appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for chatting with us. This was really interesting and educational, and I think the Origins community will will really enjoy the conversation as well. Oh,
2: that's great. I've enjoyed being with you.
3: This podcast was created by Nick Charles and Alex Lines, partners at Notation. Notation is a 1st check venture capital firm in New York. We work with technical founding teams in the trenches from day zero. You can find us on Twitter at Notation Capital. Thanks to Carta for sponsoring this episode. eShares is now Carta. We use the product at Notation and recommend it to all the companies we work with. Carta also has a product specifically for LPs. Carta for LPs allows you to easily manage K-1s, capital calls, investment KPIs, and more. If you want to learn more about Carta for LPs, visit carta.com. We'd also like to thank Silicon Valley Bank. SVB is the bank of the world's most innovative companies and their investors. Their experts help innovators, enterprises, and investors move their bold ideas forward. Tap into the experience and connections of the SVB team for advice on strategic, operational, and tactical issues and limited partner insights. Silicon Valley Bank is a member of the FDIC. If you like this episode, please share and remember to tag it with the hashtag OpenLP.